If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to open to 1 John chapter 2. We're going to look there today. Warren Wiersbe, one of the most well-known Bible teachers in all the world, made this incredible statement. He said, after 40 years of ministry, I'm convinced spiritual immaturity is the number one problem in our churches today. I read a story about a little boy who fell out of his bed in the middle of the night. And his mother rushed to his room and asked him what happened. He said, I don't know. I, I guess I just stayed too close to where I got in. And so many Christians do that with their faith. For most of their Christian life, they just stay too close to where they got in. You see, we often think of growing up as showing up. Right? And, and so many times... We think that if a person comes to church Sunday morning and maybe they're involved in a Bible study group or, or even hold an official position in church, they must be a mature Christian. But that's not always true. See, God wants us to grow up. Our, our Heavenly Father's goal is for us to mature and become more like Jesus every day. But the sad truth is there are millions of Christians that grow older but never grow up. Over and over, we are told that God wants us to grow up. Ephesians 4.15, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. Hebrews 6.1, so let us stop going over the basics of Christianity again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature. 1 Peter 2.2, like newborn babies long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation. Or 2 Peter 3.18, grow in grace and understanding of our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, growth should be the goal of every Christian. Maturity is mandatory for every child of God. And if you are the same Christian today than you were a year ago, then you're not the Christian you ought to be. So, so let me just take some time this morning. I want to encourage you on how to continually grow in your spiritual maturity. And it begins here. You must desire spiritual maturity. It begins with desire. In our scripture today in 1 John, he identifies three levels of spiritual maturity. Listen to me, with me, sorry, 1 John 2, verse 12. I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you dear children because you have known the father. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. See, in verse 12, he speaks of dear children. In verse 13, he speaks of fathers and young men. And I see the same thing when I look out at our church. Physically, I can identify the, the children and the young people and the fathers or, or the mature adults. But interestingly, I cannot equate physical maturity with spiritual maturity. So you can't determine the spiritual maturity of an individual based on their age. Right? The Greek word here for children, in verse 13, it refers to an immature baby. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a baby. 
First Peter 2.2 2 says, We are to desire the milk of the word like newborn babes. But even though there's nothing wrong with being a baby, there's something wrong with staying a baby. And sadly, we have churches today that are filled with, with baby Christians and people that are spiritually still in the nursery. But you know, that's kind of a fitting description because the characteristic of a baby that is most descriptive that we know too well is selfishness, right? Babies are completely selfish, self-centered. If they don't get what they want, when they want it, how they want it, they cry and they scream. I mean, whose, whose needs do they care about? Theirs. But whenever you give them what they want, do they thank you? No. Do they ever try to help others? No. <laughs> do they ever give us anything except what they've deposited in a diaper? No. All a little baby does is take. All a little baby cares about is himself or herself. See, we are from the moment we are born again into God's family as a baby, but we are to begin to move on to the next stages of maturity. All right, John says the second category is young men. These are Christians that have moved on from baby's milk to adult meat. They're beginning to learn that they are responsible for their own spiritual maturity. They're beginning to learn that God can speak to them through the Bible, through God's Word, that God can answer their prayers just as he does the preachers or the leaders. But the ultimate goal is to reach the stage of the Father. Notice John repeated himself about the fathers. He said in verse 13, Fathers have known him who is from the beginning. And in verse 14, he said the same thing. Fathers have known him who is from the beginning. See, the ultimate mark of maturity is when you know God, you don't just know the will of God. You don't just know the work of God. You don't even just know the ways of God. You know God. Because the more you know the Father, the more you're going to become like the Father. Now, there's obviously a process that one must follow to take from being a baby to a young person to adults. Right? This spiritual growth, it's not automatic. If you're going to attain spiritual maturity, if you're going to grow, you have to want to grow. You have to decide to grow. You have to make an effort and continue to grow. Because the truth of the matter is, spiritual maturity is intentional. It requires commitment and effort and determination. First uh, Peter 2.2 in a different translation says this, You must crave spiritual milk so that you can grow. There was a young man once went to the great teacher Socrates and he said, Socrates, will you be my teacher? And Socrates told the young man, follow me. And he turned and he walked right into the sea. And the young man followed him. And they kept walking until the water was touching their lips. And then Socrates turned around. He put both hands on the young man's head and he pushed him under the water. And the young man, wanting to be a compliant student, stayed there for a while but soon he began to spit and sputter and thrashed around trying to get air. All the while, Socrates held him under. Soon the man began blowing larger bubbles and thrashing wildly as possibly could. Till finally, Socrates took his hands off the young man and he popped to the surface and he was gasping for air and he was spewing water out of his mouth. And he looked at Socrates and he said, Why? Why would you do that? 
And Socrates said, when you want to learn as much as you want to breathe, then I will be your teacher. (laughs) See, when you really begin to crave spiritual growth like a baby craves milk, you'll then begin to grow and mature in Jesus. But see, not only must you desire spiritual maturity, secondly, you must develop spiritual maturity. See, in order to leave childhood, you must become an adult. Right? According to 1 John 2.14, the mark of an adult is this. He said, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the Word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. If you're going to grow as a Christian, the Word of God must live in you. You must live in the Word of God. You must be able to live by the Word of God. See, let me be straightforward. Unless you get into the Word of God yourself on a consistent basis, you'll never grow to spiritual maturity. It really is that simple. Those who want to grow, read their Bible. Those who don't, won't. And let me take it a step further. If spiritual maturity is going to be a priority in your life, Bible study must be a priority in your life. Right? You can't read the newspaper for an hour a day and watch three to four hours of TV a day and read your Bible three minutes a day and expect to grow. Now, don't raise your hand to this question, but let me ask, how many of you have read the Bible cover to cover? Because the sad truth is there are atheists and skeptics who have read the Bible cover to cover and don't believe it. While there are millions of Christians around this world who believe the Bible cover to cover, but have never read it. I mean, do you realize on average, if you read the Bible 15 minutes a day, you'll read through the entire Bible once a year. If you cut out a 30-minute TV program once a day and spend that time reading the Bible... You'll read through the entire Bible twice in a year. We at the church, we have this great resource out in the foyer, helps you to read through the Bible, gives you, breaks it up so you can get different sections and you read through it in a year. I encourage you after church, pick one up if you don't have one. I heard a preacher say one time, the devil's not afraid of a Bible with dust on it. And that's so true. Right, just like a soldier is, a, is not afraid of a sword if it's still in its sheath, the devil's not afraid of a Bible if it's never been opened. See, this book is God's manual for maturity. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is God-breathed, used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Each one of those purposes is vitally important. The Bible gives us teaching so we can know what is right. It gives us rebuke so we can know what is not right. It gives us correction to tell us how to get right. And it gives us training so we can know how to stay right. Let me give you an example. Suppose I had to drive from Chicago to Denver, Colorado to attend a conference. And to make sure I didn't get lost, I sat down with a road map and I plotted out my course. And imagine Amy was coming along and she was going to be my navigator. Well, that course is my doctrine. It tells me what is right and it guides me to my destination. But suppose as I'm driving along, Amy begins to take a nap and not navigating, which, by the way, she usually does on a long trip. And I foolishly take a wrong exit. 
Now her sensitive navigational alarm clock tells her to wake up, and she says, no, you shouldn't have turned there. That's rebuking. She told me I was not right. And so I pulled off the detour, and I turned the car around, I got back onto the right road, and that is correction. I'm getting right. Then suppose she puts the map down on the seat, points to it, and says, now follow this map, and you won't go wrong. That's training. That's telling me how to stay right. See, you can do a lot of things that will help you along the road to spiritual maturity. But if you don't take time every day, spending time in the Word of God, so you can hear the voice of God, you will stay a spiritual baby your whole life. I mean, don't think that you can come to church once a week and, and let me feed you for 20 minutes the, the Word of Truth, and, and that's all you need. Right? Just like you need food every day for your physical body to grow, you need the meat of the Word of God for your soul every day to grow. And then finally, you have to demonstrate spiritual maturity. Listen carefully to this statement. Spiritual maturity is demonstrated more by how you behave than it is by what you believe. Can, can I say that again? Spiritual maturity is demonstrated more by how you behave than it is by what you believe. Because what you believe or say you believe doesn't matter if you do not behave like you believe what you believe. James 3.13 Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good behavior. See, sometimes we get the idea that if the person knows a lot about the Bible, they must be spiritually mature. Right? But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, knowledge without love puffs up. Maturity is not how much you know about Jesus in your head. It's, it's how well you know him in your heart. It's how much you show Jesus in your life. That's the mature mark of maturity. James 1.22, do not deceive yourselves by just listening to the word. Instead, put it into practice. One version says, do what it says. Real maturity is not just learning what the Bible says. It's doing what the Bible says. It's applying it in different circumstances in life. Because God is more concerned with your character than your comfort. And so the way we get to demonstrate spiritual maturity is through various circumstances that come in life. Every time something happens to us, good, bad, or ugly, it gives us the opportunity to respond in a way that God would have us according to his word. And when we do that, we build character. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 says this, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now how does God produce that fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Well, by putting us in the type of circumstances that force us to bear the fruit that is needed. I mean, think about this. Do you know people around you that you work with, that you live with, that, that are unlovable? That, that just drive you crazy and you can't stand it? Well, God wants to use those people to teach you how to love. You ever had your heart broken by, by maybe by a guy or a girl or, or, or by a death in the family? God brings that sorrow in your life to teach you joy. Anyone here in the midst of a storm? 
facing difficulties, people upset with you, criticizing you, things not going your way. God is trying to develop peace within your heart. So the next time you're wondering, why am I going through this difficult time, this difficult situation? Remember, maybe God is wanting to use that situation so you can demonstrate both to the saint and the sinner that you have the spiritual maturity to see it through God's view, to handle it according to God's truth. The Marines have this distinguished reputation for meticulously training their soldiers. All new recruits can understand some of the rationale behind the training, but not all of it. One newcomer to boot camp was confused, even angered, by the drill instructor's obsession for details. When holding their trays in the food line, each man was forced to hold his hands in a certain position. They were required to have their right hand on the bottom corner and their left hand on the top corner, all while holding it flat against their chest. Whenever the men would fail to hold their tray exactly as instructed, they were verbally chastised or ordered to do push-ups. And they began to wonder, why? Why standing in line to get my food do we have to hold these trays in a particular way? Well, later on, their weapons were issued. And they were amazed to see that they were instructed to hold the rifle the exact same way they were told to hold their food tray. See, what seemed like insignificant repetition in the mess hall was actually critical training for the battlefield. A lot of times we find ourselves in situations where we're having to respond in certain ways. And we may not understand either the circumstance or our response. But God is using that to train us for the future, to build character within us. I read about a little girl who her dad took her to the carnival. And she ran over to this booth to buy some cotton candy. And the attendant handed her this gigantic ball of cotton candy. And the dad said, sweetheart, are you sure you can eat all that? And the little girl said, don't worry, dad. I'm a lot bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. See, that's what our Heavenly Father wants for you and me. That every day we go big, grow bigger on the inside than we are on the outside. And we do that through reading His Word, through receiving His message, through remembering it, through reproducing His Word in our life. So let me ask you as we close, are you spending time with God? Spending time in His Word? Are you continuing to grow in your relationship with Christ each and every day? Or maybe this morning you need to take that first step. Or that next step. And surrender your life to Him. If that's what you need, I invite you to come. Come talk to me. Come after service and stop by and talk to me. Stop by the church this week. Call me, text me. Whatever it needs to be. Let me share with you more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Pray with me. Father God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank you that we have the opportunity each day to read it, to to listen to what you want to teach us. So Lord, help us to continue to grow and mature in our relationship with you, to become more like Christ every day. And we pray this in his name. Amen.